0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Welcome to Bears Over Beers, the podcast that takes deeper dives in order to serve up cooler takes on the Chicago Bears and the NFL. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron. And joining me on the other line is EJ Snyder, Windy City Gridiron's lead draft analyst. EJ, how you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm glad to be back in the saddle.
2: We took a bit of a break. I'm feeling refreshed, ready to get back at it.
1: Seemed like you needed a you know a long night uh, or five after all the podcasts you were doing, running around the virtual uh, world, recording with just about anybody that wanted to talk about the Bears' draft. So happy to have you back on home turf. I'm happy to be back on home turf. Plus, I
2: get beers here, so that's uh, that's always an easy draw, isn't it? Well, let's dig into that. What are you drinking tonight? Oh, that's a good question. I have uh, an Alaskan uh, blonde ale that is brewed with honey, and while I'm not a fan of sweet beers, it's not overly sweet, and the tie-in is that I think the Bears draft was pretty sweet, and the label photo is a huge grizzly, so... I actually have a bear over my beer.
1: <laughs> that that's perfect. Now, are you pouring it into the sweetness oh, glass?
2: Oh, I I don't know if I cleaned the sweetness glass, but it is here. Um, I'll drink it out of the bottle just because I'm not sure. But yes, my Walter Payton glass is handy at hand, but I'm not sure about its cleanliness state. So, in order to keep the uh, podcaster healthy, we'll be drinking this one straight from the bottle. At least sweetness is watching over you then.
0: Yes.
1: All right. Well, I actually uh, found a beer that you tweeted on. Uh, you tweeted out on Twitter that you kind of made fun of. Uh, it's uh, from Dogfish Head. It's called Super Eight. It's a super ghost, apparently, and it was developed so that it could uh, process film uh, for some <laughs> crazy reason. Um, so I don't know. I've had I've had some stuff from Dogfish Head before. They're kind of eclectic beers, but um, usually some pretty good stuff. So they don't talk about the the photo processing at all on the on the can or on the on the six pack at all. But uh, this they just say it's an ale made with red sea salt, prickly pear, mango, boysenberry, blackberry, raspberry, elderberry, and kiwi juices and toasted quinoa.
2: I just can't Why? Even keep I don't up know. with that man. That yeah, list it's... of ingredients. Uh, again, my head made it halfway through before I went, yeah, but I want a beer. <laughs>
1: I, <laughs> well, I will try just about any stout, and I'm kind of on board with just about any sour as well. So if the listener wants to recommend one of those types of beers, I will try it on the air. Um, I won't try IPAs unless I lose a bet. That's that, that's where I'm drawing the line. Fair enough. Uh, but let's let's open these up and see what they're like.
2: All right. I've actually had mine before because I bought six of them, and this is probably the fifth one, um, so I know it's pretty good. Plus, Alaskan's offerings in general are, are pretty much to my liking, so this one lines up nicely. We actually
1: get Alaskan in, in Iowa, so, um, but I can't say I've actually had anything from there because, surprisingly, they don't have a lot of darker beers. At least they have, they don't bring them
2: all the way over here. Um, yeah, you probably find them during the winter season. There's um, There's several. Um, but even you might try the Amber. Um, I like Alaskan Amber a lot and, um, yeah, just generally I find their offerings to be real, real solid. I've found very few beers from there that I was like, "Mm, nope. but I'm with you on the ghost thing. I actually, I like a good sour beer now and again, so I've got some ghost recommendations I can give you off air and we'll get you, we'll get you going on some sour beers. Well,
1: it's actually in Alaska, I ran a half marathon in Alaska a couple of years ago so one of the harder states to get to in, in, in the 50-state challenge that I'm trying to push myself on, and I had like two or three different breweries, and there was one called uh, 49th State, mm-hmm. and there was another called the Midnight Sun. Yep, Midnight Sun Brewing is excellent. And it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and they had a board where you could buy a beer and write like a qualification that someone had to meet to be able to cash it in. Oh. And, and someone was from Iowa and said a resident of iowa has to show their driver's license uh free round of beers so my wife and i got a free round
2: on a very nice iowan that paid it forward that is fantastic i love that whole idea and there's alaska's great the state is great for stories like that of just random connections and and just generally really nice folks i know quite a few alaskans and um Really want to get up there and spend some time. But I have had Midnight Sun offerings, and they're quite good. So I'm glad you got a chance to try those. believe so, I had a smoked porter, and it was fantastic. Oh, yeah. That's that's right in your roundhouse. How is the, uh, how's the formaldehyde? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> isn't that what you use to develop film? It just seems odd that they would make that a dual purpose for a beer. But how does it taste with that incredible smorgasbord of berries in it?
1: You know, it's hard to pick out a specific flavor. So you more just get sweet and sour. And so I don't, I don't know. Well, let's check back at the end of the episode. Okay, let's see if you finished it. I I, I would gladly trade you if we weren't 30 hours drive apart. Right, right. right. Um, What about yours first? first Uh,
2: It's really good. It's got a, um, it's a very drinkable beer. It's definitely a summer beer. Um, The honey is not. Uh, overwhelming you get a a hint of it a hint of sweetness but it doesn't completely cancel out a little bit of bitterness or a little bit of sour but um it's it's well balanced i like it It goes down very easily i forgot to look at the abv Uh, let's see it is five percent straight up so again um very drinkable fairly clear actually um but come on it's got a picture of a huge brown bear on it and it's you know it's beer so i think we're winning absolutely i this one's very red um
1: with all those berries as you might imagine but yeah uh, five 5.3 so i'm at least you know it's not going to be too much i will say that dogfish head does make one with lime and salt mm-hmm. uh that's kind of the major ingredients of that that sour and that one's really good um all right well let's you know before i what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about the draft uh, a couple guys that we just hadn't done the work on uh, that we've been able to go back and watch some film and get an impression on. And then your favorite, we're going to talk about some of the undrafted free agents that stick out. But before I do, I want to ask you, have you seen the Chicago Bears uh, tweet that came out from the official home site uh, about the camp activities that Nagy had the guys doing today? Uh, Today? No, I have not yet. So there's there's this montage of them playing games. They're playing dodgeball. Oh, they're trying yeah. to knock knock cones off of uh, 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 you know blocking bags. They're uh, the coaches are running wind sprints. Oof. They're uh, they, and so they're but it's all like in a you know small teams and competition. Sure. And they just look like they're having an absolute blast. And it's like I, I tweeted out like, "Wow, you're telling me that you can build." camaraderie by getting creative and having some fun mind blown right like in in, i just i love that Nagy's doing this i love that this team just there's so many guys smiling and laughing um i just think that that sort of thing goes a long way and what a complete reversal from can you imagine john fox ever doing something like that? yeah not not
2: as much i don't think and the first time i really saw that thing that you're trying to sum up in this team was last year and it was early in in nagy's tenure it was either at camp or in the preseason i forget which but um somebody uh needed a like a a break during a drill as a quarterback and of course we know matt nagy was a quarterback right and he had his visor on and he just hopped over he's like give me the ball give me the ball and so they give him the ball, and he just starts throwing the routes. He's snapping them out there. He's, you know, he's jawing with the receivers. He's telling guys, you know, he's giving them what for, just like he was quarterback, right? He he could have been a, a quarterback, you know, quality coach intern at, at 25 years old. He he looked just like that. And this is the head coach of the team. And I, I tweeted out something about it at the same time, and I said this this right here is the difference between where the bears were last year and where they're going to be this year and again it was super early in the season but that kind of energy that difference that engagement led to all the the things we saw and got familiar with later in the year the club dub and, and guys pulling in a different way for a team because like you said they're having fun they're engaged they're enjoying it and so i'm fully on board with that concept but Nagy naggy injected that into his coaching tenure very very early and it was starkly different than what we'd seen before and i was all for it then and I, I love to see the fact that he's just sort of progressing that culture now that's awesome i just think that this team has just
1: become so much fun to watch and the obviously those guys are having fun but it's just fun for us as fans maybe it's living vicariously through these guys or whatever but you just feel part of that and see those guys enjoying themselves i just i really love it um let me get into the draft stuff do you want to talk about montgomery anymore it feels like 90 percent of the focus of all the bears sites has been on david montgomery is there anything more that you want to add before we move on um have you have you seen anything going back watching his film that sticks out to you
2: um i guess i went back i had a first impression of montgomery we we didn't watch him for the backs that we talked about bears over beers because we really thought he was going to be gone quite frankly he was either the second or third rated running back on just about every board didn't figure the bears were going to get a chance at him and and from that perspective it's a it's a and my first impression was hey this is Kareem Hunt at Toledo not the not the pro Kareem Hunt not the Kansas City Chief Kareem Hunt but the guy that he reminds me the most of is you know Kareem Hunt coming out of Toledo and I thought Nagy wanted something a little bit different I thought he wanted that big speed threat so I was really focusing on guys like Daryl Henderson but the more I go back and look the more I see that this is their inside zone guy he's got great skills there he um, led the nation in forced missed tackles last year by a large margin he's got burst he's got power um he doesn't have long speed but that isn't that important and the thing that i think is probably the most important or the thing that's got me the most excited about david montgomery is the fact that he can use that ability to force miss tackles behind the bears line and maybe the first time he's going to have to do that is at the second level with a linebacker whereas at iowa state right. he did not have a great line and he was running for his life and he was almost always trying to make that you know that missed tackle happened two or three yards behind the line of scrimmage if his first move is two or three yards past the line of scrimmage we're going to see some big runs out of montgomery because he's got a a really nice well-rounded skill set and i i just fail to see any way that he's not highly productive behind the bears line so pretty excited about it certainly wasn't my first choice um, but he fits very well with what we now see that Nagy and Pace want to do in between the tackles and that inside zone role, and he's gonna he's gonna create some highlights. He seems like a very hardworking guy. Um, he's definitely gonna fit into the team culture. Led his teammates through all kinds of stuff at Iowa State, and just seems like yep, when he's there in the third, it's very hard to pass him up when you really figured he was gonna go probably right up near the top of the second or certainly by the mid third. And when he's there, you know, where the bears go get him, it's a value. So solid pick, um, definitely a lot of focus on him, but I think he's going to deliver.
1: Well, and I, I've made some jokes about it in the past that I was not excited about having conversations with Iowa State Cyclone fans at work uh, because I'm surrounded by them. And I've had A handful so far. I I assume that they'll pick up a little bit once the season starts. But in general, people are very excited about him sticking around the Midwest, even if they're not pro fans at all. And so there's certainly going to be a a contingent of of Iowa State fans that that follow him and are really excited for him, regardless of who he played for. But they're very excited they're going to get to watch him on Sundays now. And everybody just has super high glowing things about him. There was one individual, I don't know who he is. I don't know his name. He just saw all my bear's pennants on my in my cube stopped by and and told me that uh, Montgomery was gonna have over two thousand yards from scrimmages here Ooh. and i I was like uh, uh, I mean that would be great, but let's maybe pump the brakes a little bit on this guy yeah. there's a lot of." There's a lot, a lot of people that uh, are going to want some carries, and a lot of people that are going to want some targets. So let's let's
2: not put those expectations on the rookie just quite yet. Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot. There's there's a lot of targets to spread around, and Jonathan Wood um, has put up some stuff on targets and target estimations that have been really good on Twitter. And if anybody's getting that many targets, I would almost say that it's a failure of Nagy's offense to spread it around. Um, is he capable of getting 2,000 yards from scrimmage? I, I think he absolutely is. Again, behind the Bears line, he's going to be really productive. Um, is he going to get that at Nagy's offense? I would almost be disappointed if he did, if if that makes any sense at all.
1: it would. There would have to be injuries right, for someone to be so dominant. I mean, the, the guy that I think well, – in getting off track here a little bit, but the guy that I think could make the biggest jump in terms of percentage of targets – I think, is Allen Robinson, yeah. just because he's going to be yeah. fully back from that ACL. But, uh, yeah, anyway, I just, you know, th- that unbridled optimism. You know, you just gotta, <laughs> it gotta is nice it.
2: to see. It's it's fun when when fans get to continue to follow a player that they followed in college or, you know, did great things for their team and stays, you know, semi-local. That's uh, it's a great result, you know, and it just drums up more interest. So I'm all for it. Uh, one of the other guys
1: we're not going to do much with was Steven Denmark because we had a live reaction yes. during our draft show. Yes, we um, did. And we, and we did talk about him during the safety so sh- show, so we won't talk much about that. Um, I do want to talk about uh, Riley Ridley. Let's start there. Wide receiver out of Georgia. A lot of people had a, t- a round two, a round three grade on, on this guy, and the Bears got him in round four, pick 24. Uh, first impressions of Ridley when you've watched him
2: i think ridley is a lot um like his relative calvin ridley uh who's with the falcons came from alabama he's a very good route runner uh he's a very good he's not dominant physically in terms of size um he's good sized and he uses his frame very very well um famously now um The comment came out that he gave to Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace asked him about 50-50 balls, uh, and Ridley said, there's no such thing, I get them all. (laughs) Which, you know, we love the confidence from wide receiver, but, you know, watching his film, he's really good on fades and back shoulder throws because he knows how to twist his body uh, and catch those balls away from the corner. Um, He does so pretty regularly. He doesn't have outstanding hands. He doesn't have bad hands, but he's got, I would say, very solid hands. His real hallmark is that he runs very, very good routes. He's not terribly fast. Uh, again, he's not a 4'6 or 4'7 guy. He's more of sort of a high 4'5 guy. So he's not going to blow by people, but he gets himself open. He's a smart receiver. He knows how to do that. He catches the ball when he does get open. I think he can work himself into the rotation even this year. Um, you know, down the roster, fourth receiver maybe. Again, if there was an injury, I could see him being maybe a third wide receiver. But in his in his first year, I could see him coming in, getting some targets, and really making plays on the underneath um, hook back uh square cross and then occasionally down in the red zone being the third or fourth option he's going to get himself open towards the edges and i think mitch is going to start to trust him pretty quickly because again he's almost always open because of his route running skill and he seems to complete the catch pretty well especially around the end zone so that could make him a popular figure pretty quickly
1: no when you're building a wide receiver core it's pretty common throughout the league to have guys with different skill sets, right? Yep. so you'll you'll get a big long guy you know he can go down the field or you get a guy who can work the underneath you know and just different strengths and trying to build that. Is there anybody already on the team that he you know is is redundant with or is this a is this a unique skill set amongst the wide receiver core?
2: that's a great question in terms of totality uh i don't know that he's exactly like anybody else but in terms of competition i think he and javon wims uh even though wims is a little bit bigger both came from georgia overlap a little bit uh he's not as fast um as some of the smaller wide receivers he's not as big or sort of that dominant alpha that robinson is on the outside um and i really do think anthony miller brings a a different dynamism uh more physicality um and will yeah. probably work himself if we see a sort of return to that form he had in the preseason where he just and camp especially where he's showing out against veterans almost every day i really i think miller becomes the number two on this team pretty quickly and i don't think ridley is any threat to that so i'd say in terms of like straight overlap with guys that are you know established on the roster um well somewhat established on the roster he probably matches up most closely with whims although whims is a little bit bigger
1: okay well that's interesting I, i'm curious to see what that pecking order is going to be once once uh camp starts and you know the fourth round draft pick has a pretty good chance of making the roster uh something would have to go terribly wrong for that to not happen and so it'd be interesting to see how he can get on the field and where where those targets are going to come from and what the formations are that he's going to get him on the field with I'd, and i think
2: I'd, the bigger deal with ridley too is that it's not necessarily a pick for this year it was really a pick for what's going to happen down the road if they need to release somebody for contract you know they decide you know they could decide that robinson's not worth it they could get out from under robinson in a year or two um without a ton of lost money um I think it really is a pick for 2020. It wasn't a need pick. Obviously, they have a decent wide receiver core or above decent wide receiver core. This is really about a sort of luxury pick for 2020 down the road to set their roster and say, hey, we got a guy in the fourth route. He's going to be, you know, salary controlled um, for three, maybe four years, and he's going to fit in in that possibly fourth possibly third wide receiver spot and you know give us real value so it was a value pick and i'm all for it because of that
1: yeah 100 i'm gonna go on the record and say that we are not gonna be cutting alan robinson I, i'd be heartbroken as much as i wanted him once he uh tore his knee up i was already uh angling for him to come to the bears so i get what you're saying i think Gabriel's probably a more likely candidate for that, but I, I don't want him to leave, leave either. But yeah. um, I certainly can see that opening, but those skill sets don't necessarily overlap. But well, I think it's a really interesting pick. I, I certainly am very excited to see what he looks like in camp, and um, I think he brings a very interesting uh, polished route running that only helps Trubisky. So very excited about that. Let's move to the other side of the ball. Duke Shelley, cornerback, K-State. Bears picked him up in round six, pick 33. I think we both thought that they would go D-back at some point, a little later maybe than we thought they would. Um, Didn't know much about this guy when it happened. Uh,
2: Everything I've seen about him is pretty encouraging, though. What have you seen? Uh, Yeah, I put up a thread on Shelly a couple days after the draft because, again, I hadn't seen him before the draft. I'd watched some K-State footage, but not not focusing on him. I was actually looking at a defensive tackle, Daniel Wise. So, and Shelley got hurt, so he wasn't in some of those games. Uh, he had a toe injury, um, but it's a classic sort of a road warrior scout pick where you go to a conference that's known for offense, not necessarily for defense, and you pick up a guy who was playing really, really well before the injury. He's a little bit undersized. He played exclusively at outside corner um, for K-State. He'll probably move to the slot in the pros, but demonstrated a lot of the skills that I think the Bears are looking for um, Real physical nature with Shelley, both in tackling and playing the ball, playing the receiver, really solid, or I would say excellent, what they call click and close. We talked about that, the ability to stop your backward momentum, turn it into forward momentum and contest the, the pass or the catch. And smarts uh, was the other thing I saw when I when I looked at his tape on film. He understands his responsibilities, and he doesn't overcommit. He knows if he's got help deep that he's playing the short zone. He knows if there's not a route in the short, he can kind of freelance in the middle. That's, those things are really obvious on tape. Played some mix of man and zone concepts. So that'll make his move. Into nickel a little bit easier. Nickels a notoriously hard position for rookies to pick up because now basically the guy you're covering can go anyway. You can't use the sideline as an extra defender, which the outside corner can do. So it's a complicated position, and that mental sort of processing or mental strength is a real sort of ace in his pocket as he learns new responsibilities as a nickel. Um, but he's he's designated, or he's you know he's shown the capacity on film to know the scheme play within it not do too much and know when he can freelance and and when he definitely can't that's going to help him the physicality will be great because Nichols and the bear system definitely have to come up and tackle against the run so i think he's got a great shot as long as the toe injury which i've heard is you know largely healed and shouldn't be a repetitive thing um isn't a factor i think he's got a really good chance to stick on the roster he's a very skilled player
1: yeah he's I think it was probably your thread that I was educated on, but it certainly excited me. And, you know, just based on the size, it makes a lot of sense that he would be in the slot. Is there any any uh, chance that he develops as an outside corner?
2: I think there is, but I'm in the minority there, um, just in the NFL. The NFL does not like playing guys who are, you know, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, on the outside. Now, there are definitely guys at that size who can play out there, Um Jason Verratt who played for the Chargers sure. um, was one. He just played incredibly hard. He played very smart. He was very physical and knew how to use leverage and didn't lose against larger receivers on the outside. So I'm all for, you know, giving a guy a chance. And it gives him great positional flexibility because, he, again, he played exclusively there at Kansas State. So he's very familiar with Boundary Corner. And if you ask him to go back and do that, he's actually going to have less responsibility than he does as a nickel. So could he could he play there in a pinch? I, I think he could. You know, he's, he's going to have a jump that any rookie has coming from college to the NFL. The receivers are bigger, faster, better schooled. But you know, does he have the raw materials to play there? I think he does. Coaches in the NFL usually aren't so lenient. If you're not um, five ten or greater, uh, you're usually not getting a, a chance to start on the outside.
1: Well, I think this is
2: definitely one of those moves for 2020.
1: Right? Certainly not hoping that a six-round uh, defensive back is going to take a lot of meaningful snaps on defense. Maybe special teams, certainly, but not not on defense. You know, so hopefully we stay healthy and we don't have to be pushing anybody into that role um the last the last guy that was picked that we wanted to touch on real quick was kareth white who's the speedster out of florida atlantic and i think you wanted to talk about his special teams potential
2: yeah he had a great special teams career at florida atlantic he had some tremendous kickoffs uh kickoff returns a couple of punt returns the other thing that uh in going back to kareth white's tape because i'd seen him before and said hey this is my um Actually, in an article that I put together with Lester Wilfong's help on, on Windy City, uh, Jacob Infante and I were talking about, um, you know, guys sort of running backs outside the outside the normal uh, who might be, you know, interesting targets to the Bears. And I had identified Kareth White as my special teams ace down the board guy because he's super fast. And he just has that knack. He knows when to hit a crease and really push it. And going back to his tape, the thing that was really interesting, there's not a ton of polish in his carries that he took as a tailback, but he's got a really good size. He's over 200 pounds, just barely, but he's not a little guy. He's not a little fast guy. He's a very solid guy. He's not super tall, but he's well over 200 pounds and he runs with great power. That'll definitely help him on special teams. But if he is going to develop over time into third or fourth back that contributes occasionally in the in the primary offensive rotation, he's got the size to do it. He can he can make guys bounce off of him if he needs to. So, um, a lot of guys just see the speed, see the height, and go, "Oh, he must be you know 185, 190." He's not. He's fully over 200 pounds and solidly built. Um, great explosion. So I think you know this year it's definitely if he makes the 53, if he's a sleeper to make it there, it's going to be because of that special teams impact. Down the road, maybe he turns into a rotational player, kind of almost the role that um, Cordell Patterson played in New England last year, with um, you know some gimmick plays, a couple of receiver slots, you know five shots at carrying the ball a game, something like that. But yeah, if he makes a fifty-three this year, it's because he brings that real pop on kickoff and punt returns.
1: Yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah, I would have, I you know, my initial thought was, okay, this guy's just a little speedster, but yeah, that's some. I mean, over 200 pounds with that height is is certainly a thick guy, and you've seen that be successful in the NFL before. Those running backs that are shorter, but you know, just have legs like tree trunks, mm-hmm. and um, certainly those guys can stick around. So, yeah, very interesting to watch what he can do. All right, here's the favorite portion of the draft. Let's let's open up those other presents. Uh, and let's talk about the undrafted free agents, the UDFAs. I want to start with Emmanuel Hall, wide receiver out of Missouri, guy that had a draft grade by pretty much everybody. And he decided to join a already pretty stacked Bears wide receiver core. Um, he said right away it was because of uh, Mike Furry, who's a University of Northern Iowa alum. So I have to just mention that real quick. Um, and Bears wide receiver coach for those um, who aren't on the uh, assistant coaches. Uh, and so he signed right away because of him. And I think that's really cool that Nagy's building a staff that has some rapport with some of these college guys coming out that they're willing to sign on a team where their odds may be a little longer to make the squad. Um, but he felt comfortable. Uh, with that coaching staff and and came on board so what do you know what do you know about
2: hall hall's a guy that you know his physical profile alone um had him with a draftable grade and his production with drew lock his quarterback who got drafted was what put him on a lot of people's radar but this is a guy that's you know well over six feet tall um, i think he's six two uh legitimate four three speed and that's you know four three eight or four three nine but at that size guy six two um it's it's really impressive you're gonna get a lot of looks there now everybody says so you know why didn't he get drafted the answer is i don't know he had a little bit of uh trouble with injury um, an abdominal injury his senior year some people you know questioned his love of football but i always take that with a grain of salt because i don't i don't know the guy um i certainly don't talk to any of his coaches so i'm never really going to be able to know that but on film when he was healthy his connection with true lock was really good and the the thing that stuck out in going back and looking at his film is he's not just a tall guy that runs really fast because that doesn't make a great receiver he doesn't have tremendous routes he has good routes but the thing that really really caught my eye was his releases he has Mm. um a varied release he's got two or three different releases that he uses pretty regularly he's really good at them and most guys like ridley will use that release to get a step well when hall gets a step and he runs a four three eight it's four steps so he'll run a release get what normally would be one step for another receiver and then use that incredible speed that shows up in pads it's not just track speed and all of a sudden he is wide open he is like three yards wide open not three feet wide open so He's definitely got some tools. Uh, He's not a great hands catcher. He's a bit of a body catcher. And he's not a great vertical guy. That means he's not going to go up and get the ball at its highest point all the time or snatch it out of the air with his hands. He's going to catch it against his frame a little bit. But he can do that because, again, he's usually wide open. And he has easy speed on film, which means when I say a guy's got easy speed, it means he can run by people. He can legitimately just run by people when he gets free. Again, combine that with great releases. He doesn't have to have great hands. So he's got to work on his route some. He's got to be a little bit more physical in the in the blocking game, but um, a lot of coaches don't care about that, especially for a guy that's a UDFA. It's really interesting that he chose the Bears because – I don't know that he's got a ton of special teams experience. Uh, not like a guy like Kareth White, who has a, you know, that was his calling card really in college. And, you know, as a as a fifth or sixth wide receiver on, a, on an NFL roster, you got to have some special, special teams experience unless you're sort of going to crack that top four legitimately. And I don't know that Hall's quite there because the list is pretty stacked in front of him. So interesting that he chose the Bears. Interesting he didn't get drafted, but a tall guy that's really fast with a bunch of skills would uh, be really – fascinating to watch his progress through camp and see how he develops.
1: I don't know that I've ever said this before, but the Bears might have too many talented wide receivers on the <laughs> roster.
2: Ah, uh, put it in the good problems to have bucket. Wow,
1: unreal. Uh that's very exciting. Uh you know, you can't coach speed, so let's let's see what he can do. Um let's go to a different type of pass catcher. Dax Raymond tied in for utah state I think that bear signed a couple of tight ends and the undrafted free agent market but this guy's the one that i think created the most buzz and i know we talked about a different utah state guy um but what did you find when you went back and watched dax raymond
2: i liked raymond raymond was on my radar He was about my f- probably fifth or sixth t- tight end that we would talked about um I did see him when I looked at Darwin Thompson's tape, the running back from Utah State, but Raymond made some really nice hands catches, um, contested hands catches across the middle of the field, Um, in contrast to a guy like Emmanuel Hall, will go up and high point the ball, has very strong hands, isn't the fastest guy, but he's not slow either, he's not a plotter by any stretch. Doesn't have a really defined route game, rounds off his routes a little bit, but he's physical, he'll go up and get the ball, and he's got great hands. Also is not afraid to mix it up as a blocker, is fairly strong, and I've seen varying reports about whether Raymond's really going to be that move tight end. Um, Don't think he's got quite enough speed to do that, or or whether he's going to bulk up and be more of a blocking tight end that gives you a little bit more receiving, and I think that's probably right. But again, fascinated to see whether the Bears kind of ask him to bulk up and, you know, get a little bit more leverage as a blocker or whether they ask him to kind of concentrate on speed and go out and back up a guy like Trey Burton. Um, So I'm not sure which way they're going to go with him, but he's a talented player. Uh, Definitely popped on film, made some really uh, timely catches as well. Big third down conversions, um, stuff to move him into the red zone. So he's got some skills. I like Raymond a lot.
1: This guy's fascinating in terms of Maybe has the best route to make the fifty-three, um, just because of the competition at tight end. I'm I'm very interested to see how that tight end uh, depth chart shakes out. I want to move. I want to stay on offense. I got one more offensive player for you. Mm-hmm. And that's a- Alex Barr, the guard out of Notre Dame. Uh, Harry Heistad uh, pick here he would have coached him when he was back at Notre Dame. Uh, got injured his senior year, and so. Obviously, a discount there. This this as a as a former lineman myself always get excited when we get offensive line talent in the building. This seems like quite the steal for the Bears.
2: This is a brilliant move um, on many fronts, but bars definitely a draftable you know inside offensive lineman had a very good career at notre dame a lot of people called him quentin nelson jr which i don't think is really fair to him but he's got a lot of strength he moves very well he's got great size unfortunately shredded his knee tore two of the ligaments um if he comes back from that if the knee is right and the bears again can afford because of their current build of the roster under ryan Pace to draft for 2020 so they can red shirt bars this year put him pretty much directly on ir stash him for next year he gets a full year of mental reps under a coaching staff that he's familiar with he knows harry eastad as you said and he can come back if he's healthy next year with a full year off in in rehab and, and re-strengthening that knee he knows the system he could absolutely be in the mix for a starting spot next year he's got that kind of talent and to get him for basically nothing is a is a great, great move. I'm really excited by Alex Bars. As long as the knee heals up and comes back to strength, he should be a tremendous asset, either as a starter or a very high-level backup for the Bears on the interior offensive line.
1: Well, there's really no downside in picking up a UDFA and throwing him on the injured list. And this is, like you said, it's just a perfect, brilliant move. And you're getting the benefit of the college coaching coming up to the pros and... This is just, it's awesome. I'm very excited about this. Hope, hope the knee heals, obviously, uh, and hopefully he can get in the mix to, you know, at least be a premium backup next year. Fantastic. Let's move to the other side of the ball. We've got a few guys I want to talk about here, uh, but let's just start with a little bit of a celebration here. Chuck Harris did, it did end up signing with the Bears. We talked about him when we talked about uh, edge players. Uh, out of Buffalo, what, uh, what do you think his chances are, and what does he bring to the
2: team? Uh, he brings a power rushing profile that's pretty good. He's certainly not um, his predecessor, Khalil Mack, uh, who came out of Buffalo. But he he's more of a power guy. He's got some bend to him, um, not a ton. He, I think UDFA is definitely the place you want to get a guy like Chuck Harris. I don't know that he was worth a you know fifth round pick but he's got a chance if he comes in and develops, if he sort of goes the, we'll call it the bilal Nichols route, where you, you have a bunch of physical skills, you've got a bunch of power, you take to pro coaching, and you really sort of polish your rough edges and start contributing. That would be his path. Is it going to happen this year? I'd be really surprised if Harris hits the 53 this year, even with the Bears' needed edge rusher. I think he's going to need a year on the practice squad to really work on technique and more variety in his rush moves, but he's got... He's not terribly slow. He's got good size. He's got very good power. That's really his go-to, is a sort of bull rush pump move that kind of thing shows a little bit of bend but not a ton he's definitely never going to be considered a, a big bender in terms of an edge rusher but it's one of those guys that you bring in again as a udfa there's it's not really a gamble there's no downside if he takes to pro coaching or or hooks on with the ps and and shows that he's willing to develop you could have something as a sort of situational edge rusher down the line i'm not Wild about that possibility. I think it could happen. It really is on him, but again, pretty happy to get him in UDFA because there's no downside. And if he blossoms, you know, maybe he ends up uh, in the place of a guy like Kylie Fitz if Fitz doesn't take that next step this year.
1: Sure. yeah, he's um, pretty interesting. i'm I'm a little bit more excited though, about the next guy, which is uh, Matthew Betts or Matt Betts, who played Edge Rusher in Canada. And you sent me some film, and it looked like he was pass rushing against, you know, uh, posts in the ground. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's just a level of competition issue, but the, the guy just looked like he was just. Just speeding around guys. Um, What what did you see that you
2: liked about Betts? Yeah, Betts has a lot to like in his film. Um, It does come with the corollary of, you know, never draft an offensive lineman from Canada. And that's not fair, but uh, it's generally true. The the quality of offensive line play in Canada is is definitely lower than what the average, you know, D1 sees in the U.S., However, the thing that's really encouraging about Matt Batts is his variety, the way he gets around guys. He can bend. He can use power. He can rush from the inside. He can rush from the outside. I've seen at least four good solid moves out of him. Arm over, swim move, uh, spin move. Uh, Push-pull is pretty good with him, and he does look like he's just bouncing around, guys. So with that much variety and technique already in his game, even though he was rushing against less skilled players, I think Betts has a chance to contribute. Now, is he going to come on and be the number three rotational rusher for the Bears this year? I think that would be a bit of a Cinderella story. That would be a tremendous rise from where he is in terms of level of competition. Betts' problem is he's going to get to the NFL and he's going to find guys who have very long wingspans. uh, So they don't necessarily need to move their feet as much. They are going to be incredibly powerful. And that's one of the lesser developed areas in his game is pure power. The ability to just push people off. So when he gets engaged, if he does end up, say, you know they run a counter on the on the line and he's got to come around the inside and he runs into a, a good solid NFL guard who's, you know, 330 and very, very strong. If he runs into Kyle Long in practice for say, um, he's probably not going anywhere if he gets hooked up with a guy like Long who's very strong in the hands and is just gonna control him. So he's gonna have to add some power to his game. But he's got enough variety and physically he's very quick. He has plenty of flexibility. He's got tools. It's how fast can he adjust to the level of competition Um, and scheme. Scheme's a little bit different. Um, But again, defensive line is very much about athleticism, and he's got tons of that. So I'm really encouraged that he chose um, to sign. He was the third overall pick in the CFL draft, so he could have stayed home and had you know uh i hate to say fame and fortune but more fame and fortune certainly <laughs> he chose the much more uncertain round of the nfl because he knows it's the top league he said as much and he says no he's absolutely committed to the bears and making it here even if that means going on the practice squad because it's the top tier and he would rather be known as a player in the top tier than as a as a big fish in the second league so um i like his attitude some of his film from the Senior Bowl. Um, or sorry, I think it was East West Shrine. Um, he was down there at the All Star Game. It looked pretty good against some of that competition. Again, not uh, not necessarily Senior Bowl competition, not top competition, but I think he's got a chance, and I'm excited again to see how he develops, see how he fits, because the Bears do have, you know, a spot there in the roster where he could wedge himself in.
1: You're making me want to go to training camp this year, EJ. Oh,
2: I am going to training camp. Are you coming? Well, it depends on the day, but I think
1: we're gonna have to make it happen. Maybe I think we're a, gonna have to make it happen. I almost went last remote. year,
2: and this year I've decided I'm just I'm doing it. I already started talking to my boss last week. I said, "Look, I'm gonna need a few days off here and here, and I'm I'm gonna do it." So I think we should do it together and and have fans come out and do a meetup and and just make the most of it. I think it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, that sounds like a
1: good time. Um, we did an, a nice little segue there because you talked about the CFL. We've got a player on the roster that played in the CFL, right? Jameer Thurman? That's
2: right. I'd forgotten about Thurman, and I saw him when I was looking at the roster for rookie minicamp. And Jameer Thurman, even though he was signed last season, um, didn't accrue uh, enough service, uh, according to NFL pa terms to be classified as anything other than a rookie so he is still classified as a rookie hence was eligible for rookie minicamp and was there and i think thurman we talked about inside linebackers our very first bears over Bears podcast and thurman is a guy that could be a really solid special teamer and inside backer backup he's got great speed he demonstrated that uh in the cfl he plays against the pass pretty well he's a little bit undersized but you know that's not such a big deal it's not a death sentence in the nfl anymore we see a lot of linebackers who are six foot maybe six one in the you know 220-ish range which is right about where thurman is uh and i think he's got a chance um especially if izzy doesn't doesn't develop uh to you know, to stick, um, play on special teams, and maybe make the 53, and I'd completely forgotten he was on the roster, so it's always fun uh, to to dig through the rosters for rookie minicamp and, and remember stories like that, so yeah, I think Thurman's got a chance, he's a player to watch, and we'll see again how he develops in the system, and he's got a little bit of a head start on some of the rookies, he's been uh, with the team a little bit longer, knows the coaches, knows the scheme, so let's let's see what he does with that.
1: Well, like you said, there's there's definitely some potential there with that inside linebacker with maybe some turnover. So it would be interesting to see if he can step up and step into that role. So um, I've got one more guy on my list. Uh believe that he's a potential five technique. Uh, Jalen Dalton. What do you want to say about him?
2: Yeah, this is a guy they signed as a UDFA. Uh, I didn't know anything about him. Hadn't watched really any of the North Carolina defense this year. He's out of UNC. Uh, they just haven't listed as defensive lineman, but based on his physical profile, I'd say he's definitely in the running for the five tag. He's six six three hundred. 300. This is a massive dude. A big guy. And what caught my eye in looking back at some of his films and highlights is him catching guys on an angle like 30 yards down the field and pushing them out of bounds. There's not many guys that size that can run like that. So what I really started thinking as I watched his highlights is this is what Bilal Nichols' tape looked like when he was at Delaware um you have a very strong guy who's a little rough around the edges with technique and the amazing thing about Nichols is how fast he progressed last year how quickly he rounded off those rough edges to really come in and contribute but I'm not going to say that Dalton's going to follow that curve but physically here's a guy that's really strong really fast and if you're talking about a block of clay on the defensive line you've got one
1: yeah that's exciting I I like that uh pace just seems to find these diamonds everywhere uh and so it's even if they don't develop you know it, it's it's just nice that you're you're pulling guys in with big potential whereas it seems like some general managers in the past um you know specifically uh jerry angelo always seem to draft guys with maybe nice floors but like no ceiling they just like, <laughs> like or very low ceiling i guess it just like seemed like they were just never going to develop into anything interesting, and uh, it's nice to see these guys where it's like, well, you know, hey, if this guy makes uh, the commitment and takes a couple steps forward. He can, he, you know, he could be a really impactful player. and That's really nice to see. I like, like hearing about guys like that. Well, well, here's my question for you, EJ. Actually, I've got two. Um, is there a player that we would risk losing? If we try to hide him on the practice squad. So, is there a player that basically has to make the 53 for us, or they're probably going to get signed away to another team's 53 man roster?
2: Most likely target for that's got to be Emmanuel Hall. He was on a lot of people's draft radar. Again, he's got obvious physical skills, well over six feet tall, uh, under 4 um, 4, knows how to release. That's the kind of guy that might be better than somebody that's on somebody's 53, especially if they're looking for flat-out speed, like you said. Can't coach speed, so I think if somebody's going to get poached, um, again, that designation that they have to take him to the active roster right away basically dissuades most teams. And again, every team had a shot, or multiple shots, I should say, at a draft manual hall and chose not to. So there's a chance that he might not get picked up, but of all the guys in UDFA, he's probably the one that would get snapped up first
1: now the flip side it is who do you think is most likely to make the 53 out of all, all these if, if any but who do you think is the most likely
2: uh you know if if we make that time frame 2020 i would say alex bars I, i'd say he has the most direct that's cheap direct shot it's totally cheating um, this year i would say dax raymond because i'm not really set on the tight end depth period like burton was fine and solid in his role and did his job um shaheen has not performed and is probably running out of rope i don't think he runs out this year but i don't think he's got anything beyond this year um ben broniker is a a physical marvel who's a special teams ace plays uh, i think all four phases of special teams and but is he going to contribute um really anything in the in the inline offense i don't know that he is so raymond's got a very interesting spot if he can you know if they can pick a path for him and he takes it um he could sneak on um fairly easily and you know if not uh my longer shot would be matt betts if he really you know if he manages to to start finding success um um, I could see him sneaking on because, again, if Kylie Fitz doesn't, I mean, imagine if they both play in the preseason and Kylie Fitz looked like he did last preseason, which was not not exceptional. And, right. you know, maybe Betts comes up big in two or three situations in the preseason. It really shows, again, edge rushing talent is very hard to find. Right so maybe another team gets tempted if bats if bet starts flashing in the preseason to snare him or maybe they have an injury and they think hey here's a guy we can grab and develop um, but again they have to throw him on the active roster so i'd say bets is a much longer shot just because of that jump in competition um, but i think dax raymond's chances to make the 53 again i'm not betting that he will but i'd say he probably has the easiest path
1: yeah, I think I tend to agree with you. That's that that'd be my pick as well. So, um well, that's anything else on the UDFA's? Anybody else that you want to It's just the
2: best class the Bears have had in a very long time and it's the culture we talked about at the top of the show um combined with solid coaching and the fact that everybody knows where the Bears are going. If you're going to be on the Bears, you're going to have a shot at the playoffs perennially right now and you might be looking at a chance to play for all the marbles and all players want that and that's why a guy like emmanuel hall even though he doesn't have an easy path to make the roster would come here and you know would come to chicago and and try and make it on because he knows the bears are ascending right now so overall top to bottom if you add up this udfa class um and even you know a couple of the seventh round picks they brought in a lot of talent with a really limited number of draft picks and almost you know no high draft picks that's a that's a huge credit to Pace and his staff of scouts. That's just a, it's an amazing accomplishment.
1: It's an amazing turn. <clears throat> it's an amazing turnaround in the last 15 months. True. <laughs> it's just unbelievable how much the the difference is when you know Pace couldn't sign AJ Bouye, uh, and you know to now where guys are. I don't want to say lining up, but
2: they're they, not having any. They trouble certainly did. We had you know uh, we probably had five four or five quality UDFA signings within the first five hours of that period opening that is an absolute turnaround from a couple of years ago when the Bears were you know clawing and scratching and trying to get anybody to come play for the team and you know they did okay but if they got one guy of note Uh, In the old days, that was a big deal. And here they have, you know, Manuel Hall, Alex Bars, um, Matthew Betts certainly had offers after the East-West game and and showing out in practices down there. And they basically say, hey, I'm on board, let's go. Um, Within the first few hours of that process being open, that is a a very different thing. Just open the doors and they show up. So it really speaks to the overall organizational and culture change.
1: Absolutely. All right, well, I'm going to circle back to this beer. Oh, yeah. Um, so I really like the one with lime and and sea salt. But I just <laughs> want to put it out there that I really do like Dogfish Head's sour beer with with lime and sea salt. Right. Um, this, I think, is actually better used
2: to develop film. <laughs> <laughs> After, I, you know, I can't... That ingredient list is just... I know Dogfish Head have had their offerings. Like you said, they're a little bit eclectic. They're definitely going to try some things that other people aren't. And generally, they're pretty successful at that. Uh, they have a very strong following in the Northeast where they're from. But that one is probably just a bridge too far. I'm I'm just going to take your word for it that it's not awesome as beer, um, better as, as film processing agent, and and let that one go. Do you know when you have like a soda and...
1: Like, it's really sweet and, you know, kind of like your teeth almost feel like they, they hurt from the <laughs> the, the, the sugar. Yes, I know what but you're talking about. That's kind of what I've been fighting all episode. Wow.
2: Um, yeah, I can't say I'm sorry to have missed that. I really can't. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, what? <laughs> I, I don't want to trash the beer, and like I said, definitely not the brewery, because I, I do like some of their offerings, but this is not this is Not, not, one not the
2: one free. you'll be going out for seconds no. on? No. Not at all. All
1: right. Well, what's what's going on with us in the next few weeks? Oh, uh...
2: we got we got a lot of stuff. A lot of people are uh, thinking that we're probably winding down because this is we're coming up to the summer drought here. We're coming up to the sort of low period of NFL news throughout the year, but we've got some really good folks who have said that they will come on as interviews. So Jeff and I are going to dig into the how to record a third person here and start bringing you some fun interviews. We're going to be working through the rest of the position groups uh, that we didn't get through pre-draft and I think there might even be a favorite cheap beer episode on yes. I started playing with that on Twitter and we got some really good responses so uh, maybe some more beers that we wouldn't go back for seconds on but uh, I think we'll both bring our favorite cheap beers as well so we'll have some fun with that and uh, maybe some audience participation something you can follow along at home but uh yeah a bunch of good content we're back in the saddle we're at it uh, we'll be putting out one of these probably every couple of weeks even through the dead part of the season and um you can always follow jeff on twitter at gridiron i am at the draftsman fb and of course the pod has its very own twitter handle at bears over beers so not hard to remember uh be a bunch of stuff coming up on windy city gridiron you're just gonna have to watch the site for that um but uh, that's all I've got. Do you have anything else?
1: Well, I can now talk about it free year. Oh, yes. The, the lead is off. I was part of the team that put together the top 100 Chicago Bears players of all time, and that list is going to start getting put out here in the next week or two. So Sam Householder and I were uh, spearheading that, and uh, Jacob and uh, Optimus Prime, Eric, uh And, of course, our historian Jack and, of course, Lester uh, made a group of six that put together uh, the top 100 players, put a lot of time and thought and effort into it. And so I'm sure that there will be a lot of conversation and a lot of people upset that certain players didn't make it or some players are too high or too low or whatever. But just know that all six of us had those same conversations with each other as we were yelling at each other through email on why... Certain people were certain putting a certain quarterback as high as they were. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Um, so there will be some very interesting tales to tell. So we'll try to get Sam on and, 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 and probably Jack or maybe some others to, to come in and talk about their views on that as we roll through that
2: list as well. Very cool, very cool. So a full summer on Bears Over Beers. We're going to have all kinds of fun stuff for you. Um, Take some chances here, see if we can't switch it up because we we aren't driven by game content so much in the summer. That gives us a little bit more freedom. But until then, thanks for listening, thanks for commenting, and as always, bear
1: down.